Can you please uh, explain what this book is about and what, how is this different from Cells, Gels and um, Energy We Create? Yeah, so Cells, Gels and the Answers of Life, um, there, there are really two messages in that book. The first message, first message is that the water that's inside uh, the cell is not liquid water. Um, and the book details the evidence uh, for that. And the second part of the book is what's the role of this so-called structured water in biology? And I come to the conclusion, uh, again, based on um, a summary of a huge amount of evidence, that that there's a a principal theme in biology and uh, of how cells work. And at the center of that theme is water. And so to, to elaborate just one step further, when a cell um, is in the non-activated condition, you know, just sitting there. Like, for example, you can think of a muscle cell that's not contracting or a secretory cell that's not secreting or a nerve cell that's not conducting. The water inside that cell is is somehow ordered, structured. That's what Gilbert Ling uh, w- would call it. However, when the cell moves into action, for example, when the muscle cell contracts, um, two things happen. Uh, one is that the the structured water undergoes a transition to ordinary water, um, and the proteins undergo simultaneously a change of configuration. It's the two of those acting together, the water um, and and the proteins that are responsible for the action of the cell. And that would include, in a muscle cell, it would include contraction, and a secretory cell, it would uh, include secretion, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, and then, of course, at the end of of the action, uh, contraction, secretion, whatever, uh, everything has to return to the initial state. And so the water then goes from the um, uh, ordinary liquid water back to the structured, uh, ordered water. And that's the main message. Those are the two messages um, of, um, of that book, the two main messages that, that the water ordinarily is structured and that um, when the cell goes into action, it's not just the proteins that undergo changes, as people think uh, today, but also the water and the water, the water and the protein undergoing this transition together. It's called a phase transition, is well known in physical chemistry, and it occurs according to the evidence in essentially every cell in your body when the cell undergoes action. Now, the second book demonstrates or elaborates on the results of our research. It was published in 2013. And what our research found um, is that Gilbert Lang was, and others, not just Gilbert Lang, but, but other scientists were certain about the role of structured water in biology. But the structure turned out to be different. What we found is is that the structured water ha- has a negative charge. We measure it directly using very tiny electrodes. Um, and, and if that's true, and I, you know, we've <laughs> reproduced this many, many times, as have others, what it means is Gilbert Ling can't be exactly right because if you have a stack of molecules, as he was suggesting, you know, a, a molecule, another one, another one lined up and, as I said, like soldiers at attention, there's no negative charge because water molecules are neutral. Mm-hmm. And yeah. if you stack neutral molecules, uh, from Seattle to the moon, you'll never get negative charge. Mm-hmm. So, 
So therefore, it can't be right. And and then we began studying what is right. Mm-hmm. And that's what we call the fourth phase of order. And now it is ordered or structured, as Gilbert Ling and some others had been suggesting, but it's a different way. So I'll, I'll tell you. So it, it occurs um, when water meets a surface, a so-called hydrophilic, water-loving surface. And most surfaces are, to some degree, water-loving. So when the water molecules meet that surface, the ones that meet the surface, the molecules undergo a rapid transition uh, from individual molecules um, to a a sheet-like structure that has a, a, a motif that's hexagonal, like a honeycomb. So... So you have the surface here of, of some material, and you got water here, and the first layer, the first uh, layer of molecules, they meet the surface, they undergo a transition. And then that sheet-like surface then serves as a template for the next layer uh, to do the same, and for the next, and for the next. So so this, um, um, this kind of transition occurs sheet by, or layer by layer, and it can build to many hundreds of thousands of layers uh, to a, a macroscopic size. And as I said, it's negatively charged. Well, uh, how did you determine that it's a negatively charged? Uh, well, we used electrodes. So we stuck the electrodes directly into that region of, of water. And the electrode, I should mention, parenthetically, is, is an invention also of the same Gilbert Link, for which he should have won a Nobel Prize because many people have used that same electrode for other studies and have won their own Nobel Prize. <laughs> so he's right at the, at, at the basis. Unfortunately, Gilbert died, uh, uh, I think, three years ago. Um, he was just shy of 100 year, years old. Wow. So we, we know now if you're if if you're thinking, which I know you are, but um, some of us don't always think all the time. If you start with a water molecule with water molecules, they're neutral. Now I'm telling you that the water molecules transition uh, into this sheet-like structure, which has negative charge. So you might ask, well, what happened to the positive charge? Yeah. <laughs> you know? If you got negative, you must have positive somewhere else because you started with neutrality. You can't just do away with with 50% uh, of the charges. So we found that those charges lie beyond the EZ. So what I mean is here you have the hydrophilic surface and here you have the water and these sheet-like layers grow from the hydrophilic surface outward. And what happens is that the positive charges are, um, are propelled out into the bulk ordinary water, liquid water, beyond this fourth phase zone. We call this zone, by the way, the exclusion zone, or EZ for short, um, easy to remember. We call it the exclusion zone because it excludes virtually everything. It's so tightly packed, more more so than ice, that solutes can't get in, particles can't get wow. in. And so, in a, in a sense, you can develop this into a filter, which we've done, uh, because if you start with water that has contaminants and this uh, easy grows, it pushes out the contaminants into the next region. And so, if you collect the easy water or fourth phase water, it, it should be essentially contaminant free. And on that basis, we were able to build a filter. We call it a filterless filter because there's no actual physical filter. And the filtration occurs by virtue of uh, the growth of this exclusion zone. Now, 
someone might be asking, um, you need energy to, to create all this stuff because when you go from chaos, that is liquid water, to order, that is the fourth phase, from chaos to order, you always need to expend energy. But a lot of people are unaware this is a fundamental uh, principle of thermodynamics and physical chemistry, but you can, you know, you can think of it um, as you might think of your office. So you get up in the morning, you go to your office, you sit down and you throw a paper to your left side and uh, some pencils and a paper uh, to the right side and you keep doing this day after day. It requires essentially no energy, but you create chaos, you create disorder. Now one day you decide, well, I'm, I'm gonna create order. You need to take time and energy to do it, yeah. right? And that principle, that's just an example of a general principle, and a general principle applies um, in all realms. And so in order to build this easy water, which has structure to it, uh, has order to it, you need to expend energy. And I tell you, neither I nor the senior people in my lab could think of where that energy was coming from. Mm -hmm. We had no idea, and we scratched our collective heads for several years before finding out. And we didn't figure it out. It was, it was an undergraduate student who figured it out. So, so he was doing his routine experiment, well, his experiment at the bench. And he noticed to his right, there was a gooseneck lamp sitting there, you know, one that you can bend in it. Mm -hmm. You know, and, and he bent it so that the light illuminated uh, the exclusion zone or a portion of the exclusion zone and where it was illuminated the exclusion zone grew it grew enormously uh, from from that light and he called me in and I saw it and you know I thought oh finally you know figured out light it's a light and ah. light and photons light is responsible for building this. but this is this is happening within the cell or like this is happening within the body right how is uh, the light reaching within the body? Is it from the exposure to the skin? From to uh, the skin well, exposure? let me explain. Um, it, it happens in the body, and it also happens outside the body. Um, and and the, the light, the particular light that we're talking about, is, is not visible light. It's infrared light. Wow. So, you know, you know, light has a spectrum of wavelengths. And the shortest wavelength that we can see is violet. Uh, and the longest wavelength we can see is red. But... At the shorter wavelength, um, beyond the ultraviolet, at the longer wavelength, beyond the red, is infrared and ultraviolet. And, and so we, we did our tests using single wavelengths from all of those regions, from uh, the ultraviolet, several wavelengths, to the violet, through the spectrum of visible light, all the way to the infrared. We found that almost nothing had any impact except when we got to infrared when we got to infrared uh the effect was was uh, uh, profound just a little bit of infrared light could cause a growth of the exclusion zone and we could see it even when the exclusion zone was stable if we shined a very modest amount of infrared light from um, a light emitting diode led we could get growth of 10 times the size so it didn't take a rocket scientist to figure out if um, infrared light or infrared energy uh, could 
um, grow the exclusion zone in the laboratory, it, it could grow it everywhere. And maybe that was the energy. I, I mentioned that energy is necessary. Maybe that is the energy that's necessary for building this easy. So finally, it was a student who found out, of course, we followed up with experiments. Now, a question that arises to many lay people is, where, where do we get infrared energy? Yeah. Right? Maybe your question too. So, so you know, if you, uh, if you have an electric range and you open the door and you see the coil that's glowing bright orange and generating heat, you have a, tendon a tendency to say, well, yeah, it's generating infrared energy, same as a toaster. And that's, that's correct. However, it's not just that. Infrared energy is coming from all over the place, not just from you, but uh, coming from your hat, coming from the, the wall behind you, um, which appears fuzzy. It's all over. And the way you can prove that to yourself is you get an infrared camera that is like a regular camera, but the sensor is sensitive not to the visible light, um, which is true of your cell phone, uh, but it's sensitive to infrared light. In that case, you turn off all the lights in the room and you turn on this infrared camera and you get a beautiful image of everything that's in the room, a detailed image. And that's why it's used by the military as a, as a night light. Um, and the reason you get an image is, um, is because everything is generating infrared light. Um, just as in your cell phone camera image is because you're generating or at least reflecting a visible light and it, it gets to the lens of your camera. In this case, it's just a different wavelength, the same principle. It's just a longer wavelength which falls into the so-called infrared range, which you can't see with your eyes, but that doesn't mean that other creatures are incapable of seeing it or sensing it. Yeah. But anyway, so you get energy from all over the environment. It's there all the time. And you also get energy from the core of your body because you've got metabolism going on. And with metabolism uh, uh, going on, it generates heat. And heat is it's not exactly the same as infrared, but um, uh, infrared is the source, infrared energy, and heat is the consequence of uh, mm. So the two are closely tied together, but not precisely the same. Anyway, because there is a huge amount of infrared light coming from all over the environment and from inside your body, it means that you always have easy water because the energy that's required to build it from ordinary water is present. 